Uh, this is Stan Goldstein. I have a book, Rock and Roll Tour of the Jersey Shore, and I give rock and roll themes tours of the Jersey Shore. But when I have some time and love listening to Set Lusting Bruce with the Reverend Jesse Jackson, no kidding, the Texas Jesse Jackson. So check out his podcast. He has about a new one every week, and I love checking him out. Welcome to a new episode of Set Lusting Bruce, a Bruce Springsteen podcast. I am your host, Jesse Jackson, and we are here to talk. I'm, I got I messed up my introduction, Bella. Oh, that's okay. That's okay. I have, I have so been there. We can do it again if no, you want. No, no, no. It's okay. Um, so just <laughs> recently, as we pull back the curtain, um, I was kind of whining out loud on Facebook that when you go to iTunes and search for Bruce Springsteen's podcast, um, Robin JB come up first, which I have no problem with. Bruce Springsteen sees the alphabet. And um, Bruce Springsteen's Song of the Week comes next, and I'm like 30th on the row. Oh, no. And I think it's because I don't have the word Bruce Springsteen in my podcast. I have Set Lusting Bruce. And so I was kind of whining about it, and um, Charles Skaggs, my partner in crime and partner in time with the Doctor Who podcast, said, well, why don't you just go set Lusting Bruce, you know, colon, a Bruce Springsteen podcast, or the Bruce Springsteen podcast. And, oh. and, and I, um, I, I had kind of suggested that before, but, you know, but having someone else do it, Rob, like, okay, let's try it. So now then, when I do the iTunes search. I'm on the front row. You know, I am on the first row. Uh, so therefore, I'm I checked other it as I uh, I checked it as you were talking, and you are correct. It's it's Robin JB song of the week. You and then fresh air. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, that's good. That's so. Anyway, um, I'll probably keep doing the same introduction, but yeah. So we've added that kind of uh, extra. So hopefully, people can find us, and I'm excited. So. Um, now that I've bored the listener and they're like, okay, get on with it, Jesse. Um, I Bella, like the behind the scenes. Thank you. Bella is joining me. Hey, Bella, how you doing? I'm doing well, Jesse, hanging in. You know, today has been a, today, October 2nd has been quite a rough day, but yeah, you know, we're um, moving forward. Yeah. Um, you know, we're recording on, uh, Monday, October 2nd at night. Uh, we, the news broke earlier today or last, last night, but most of us, Found about it when they woke up this morning about this horrible shooting in Las Vegas, and then um, we continued to have so many people struggling in Puerto Rico. To say nothing of the yeah. people in Houston and Florida, you know, with the hurricanes, and then uh, Tom Petty dies. <laughs> so it's like well, he's no. As of nine thirteen p.m., apparently he's alive but in like serious critical condition oh so okay so they jumped the the gun they the lapd jumped the gun i think someone as someone who has been on the uh answering the phone thing when reporters call i think someone from the lapd said yes he's dead but actually he may have died for a bit but as of now he is still alive but it's not doesn't look good looking good pull for him absolutely um, yeah, so, Tom Petty is ill. Yes, Tom Petty is ill and not doing well. 
Um, well, we can only hope the best for him. That is good news. Breaking news. Thank you, Bella. You put a little no ray problem. of sunshine I, in my life. I, I hope that by the time the podcast is over, he's still alive. But yes. I don't know if that's – I don't know. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so for those of you who have not listened to Bella join me before, please go back and listen to her episodes. She is absolutely one of my favorite guests. Uh, but Aww, uh, thanks, Jesse. Yeah, tell us a little bit about yourself. For those uh, who so came I live in, in New York. Yeah, I, I live in New York. I work in politics. Um, currently, I work for a state assemblyman. Uh, I also run Call Them In, which is a email-based reminder system that will uh, send you call scripts that make it as easy as possible to call your senators on issues that matter to you. Yeah, and it's such a uh, good program yeah. because Thank you. Um, you and I both tend to be a little more um, liberal. I would say yeah. we have a heart, but I'm not going to be that ugly. Uh, you know, we both <laughs> tend to be a little more um, liberal, at least socially. And But yeah. the reality is one of the things I most like about your program is, you know, just as easy if you're conservative, you could get this and you could call your senator to say, I do support this program or I do want you to vote this way. Um, and I think the beauty of this is we want people involved. The The thing that frustrates me the most is the apathy that a huge part of this, our nation has. Um, and, and I just wish more people would get involved one way or another. Oh, I completely agree. And and I also wish or it is my work to get people involved smartly. Yes. So I want people to call where their voices will matter. And part of what I'm trying to do with call them in is make it really clear where you should call and how you should call and how you should speak when you call an elected official to get them to listen to you. And these are tools that you can use if you're, you know, a liberal or a conservative or as the vast majority of my friends are, you know, far leftists. Yeah. Um, so that's that's what I'm interested in doing is making it as easy as possible to get involved in politics. Because as I have taken to saying, you may not care about politics, but politics cares about you. Yes. And so you have to have a voice because they're going to be making decisions that affect you no matter who you are. So you might as well have a voice in them. Yeah. And, you know, I... I, I tweeted a little bit today, um, you know, I, I, I don't know what the right answer for gun control is. And I promise listeners, we're not going to stay too serious too long. I, I don't know what the right answer. I don't know where the line is. You know, I have friends who are hunters. I grew up in Louisiana, you know, where everyone, you know, uh, you know, high school kids used to go squirrel hunting before they went to school, you know, and, and they were, Oh yeah. We, yeah. I grew up in New Mexico and for, you know, after our eighth grade graduation, my friend had us all over so we could eat wild boar. She shot herself Yeah, and she was 13. <laughs> like that's just how it was. Yeah. And so I, I certainly, I understand, but what frustrates me is we don't have the discussion. And, you know, um, there's a great line from the Simpsons. We've tried nothing and we're all out of options. And, and oh my I, God, I love that line so much. <laughs> yeah, right? And, God, nothing, and we're all out of ideas. And, and and I just, I think that's what frustrates me is, and it is a cliche, but what's well, the wrong time? Well, when is the right time to discuss it? And and I just wish, I wish really smart people, smarter than I, would get together and say, okay, we want to respect the Constitution. We want to respect, re, you know, responsible gun owners. We want to respect, but we also think we have a problem. And how do we, what do we do? What can we do? Are there, and and so many times in politics, because we talk about this at work a lot, don't let perfect stop you from being, from reaching good, right? I completely agree. You know? Completely agree. Um, you know, let's, let's, can we do a little something and then slowly or later, you know, we can come up with a plan. Um, one of my good friends, uh, Tom Zoller is very conservative. You know, he's an independent, um, you know, he, he's a 
cartoonist. He works for himself. So, you know, he has that perspective as an Mm -hmm. entrepreneur. And he says what he bothers him is there isn't, we both want safe borders. We just disagree how to do it. Let's find a way we both can live with. We both, we both sides want health care for everyone. We just disagree how to do it. Let's get together. But, um, you know, let's figure out a way. And I think that's the naive part of me and Tom, and I think a lot of the people that you love and talk to is we're like, there's just got to be a way to do this versus the cynicism of a lot of people in Washington and, and also in state government that... I don't think mm-hmm. they are necessarily working toward that greater good. They are truly working to get reelected or to serve their base. And it's just frustrating. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the real thing is one of the things the Democrats like to tout is, Oh, you know, 90 something percent of people believe in uh, common sense gun reform. And, you know, if, if that's true, then those people should be calling their elected officials and they should be writing to their elected officials because the 9% that doesn't believe in it is. So yes. and I mean, it, I guess if you, if you believe in universal background checks or limits for how much ammunition someone can buy or limits on what types of guns someone can own, that's something to call your congressperson about. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so steering away from, ooh, that was serious. Um, what, have yeah. you been, what, what have you done on your summer vacation? Did you do anything fun? Oh, God. Uh, did I? Um, I, went, I went home for a bit to see my family, which was lovely. Um, and I went to Kansas for the first time. That was unique. I've never been to Kansas before. Uh, but no, for the most part, summer's pretty busy in the local elected official range. So I did a lot of working. <laughs> Okay. Now, did you make the Toto, we are in Kansas now joke? You know, I did not think to make it. Um, I very oddly, so I was at a conference um, at Newman University, which is a Catholic university in Kansas, and I was presenting a curriculum I've been developing about the AIDS epidemic. Mm. And um, it, it was surprisingly well received at a Catholic university. Nice. <laughs> I spent most of the time being like, Please don't kick me out. I'm here to teach you about the history of AIDS legislation. Uh, but everyone was very nice about it. And it's, it's this special type of curriculum that requires um, like historical role playing. So I had a great time. It's, oh. it's my little nerd summer camp. I go every year oh, that to sounds, these conferences. That sounds awesome. Um, it's very cool. All right. So the big question is, are you, since you are there in New York, are you trying to get into the lottery for Springsteen and Broadway? I, Jesse, I have signed up every day for the lottery. <laughs> I signed up. I signed up for the Ticketmaster ticket lotteries, and I was on standby both times. So was I. The first time, my dad was able to purchase tickets, and he calls me at like eleven thirty at work, and he was like, "All right, I'm in," but the only tickets I can get are six hundred and fifty dollars. Do you want me to buy them? And I was like, "No." Neither of us have the money to spend $650 on a Bruce Springsteen ticket. Right. My dad was like, totally fair. So he, his friend gave him her credit card number and my dad bought the tickets for his friend, Patty, who lives in Washington, D.C. Um, and then Patty's husband got, a, got in to buy tickets the second time. So I think Patty is planning to take me to one of her trips, but it's unclear still because he's trying to see how the tickets shake out. But I also applied for the $75 ticket lottery. We'll see. So make it really hard. Yeah. Yeah. So Bella, what is your thoughts as you know, I'm sure you followed on social media. There has been a few fans that have been very vocal complaining about this system. Um, What are, what are your thoughts? I, okay, I don't know why people are complaining about the system. Like, people are complaining about verified fan. I think that that's the wrong thing to complain about. We can't all complain about scalpers and then turn around and complain about something that they're creating to make it harder for scalpers. So I, I don't get complaining about the system at all. Like, yeah, I get it. It's, it's harder to buy tickets. 
it's always been hard to buy tickets to a Bruce Springsteen show. Like I've had trouble buying tickets for, you know, forever. So I don't think we should be complaining about the, the system. Now the price of the tickets, that's maybe something to complain about, but the, you know, I don't know if we should necessarily complain about the, the system, if that makes sense. Yeah, and I, I think um, Peter Chianka, uh, I think, wrote about it. Uh, I believe I'm giving Peter the right credit. I know other people have that the verified fan uh, is misleading. If it said verified person or, you know, exactly might have been a little bit like easier. Like I saw something where they were like, oh, they're going to measure how many times you've seen Bruce Springsteen. I don't think that's the case at all. They're just making sure you're not a robot. And we've all been griping about the robots in buying Bruce Springsteen tickets for months. Yeah, and I, I really do agree because what frustrate I, I understand people being frustrated they didn't get a ticket. I totally get that. Yes. I understand people being frustrated about, I can't believe it's $600 a seat. Though, I, once again, the conservative in me is like we live in a free market society that's the going right for people are paying for it yes i mean that is uh you know i have heard people you know paying that much for hamilton now the argument is hamilton's got a bigger cast it has all these things but the reality is you know i i go to science fiction conventions and i will hear i i was talking to and i won't give their name but it was a um, a TV celebrity, and mm-hmm. she was saying that um, she found out that someone else was charging um, less for an autograph than what she was. And she said, she says, we kind of have tears of how much we charge for our autographs, and if you water the pool down, it hurts all of us. And so I'm like, okay, so Broadway... You you know maybe you're watering the pool down, so I I'm gonna respect that. Um, yeah, yeah, that's definitely. I mean, when people were like, "Oh, it's so expensive," I was like, "Yeah, a lot of Broadway's expensive, unfortunately." Like I've, I think I paid a hundred and twenty five dollars to see Hamilton when it was at the Public, which was not even a real Broadway theater. I paid a hundred and twenty five dollars for like an off-Broadway production of Hamilton, and that felt normal. Yeah, and, you know, the other thing is I don't think anyone should take it personally they didn't get tickets. That's what bothers me. Yeah. This insult like, oh, how dare you not sell me tickets? I've been a fan since blah, 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 blah. Uh, you know, it it's just there's it's pure mathematics. There's way too many people who want seats and there's too few seats. Um, I do hope you get the lottery. The, then the other Thank thing, you. Bella, that made me mad is they do this lottery and then people start complaining. Well, it is enough notice. I can't I can't get an airline ticket or something. I'm like, OK. Sometimes it's not about also Broadway. Yeah. (laughs) That's, that's how Broadway runs. Yeah. Yeah. I I said, you know, sometimes it's not about you. You know, I don't, I'm not resentful when I go to TKTS and the show I want to see doesn't have discounted tickets. I go, Mm -hmm, what mm -hmm. do you got? And what are really good seats? You know, because I'll see almost anything. Um, and you know, and so, yeah. Um, anyway, I, I I mean, I, I completely agree. And I think that, I think that I'm a little less mad about it than other fans are because I do go see a lot of Broadway and it, it, it is running, you know, for all other than the incredibly hot ticket, it's running like most other Broadway shows with the day of lottery, the high prices, you know, the nosebleed seats. Yeah, it, it just reminds me of most other popular Broadway shows. Yeah, and I just, you know, I think that as much as joy and happiness and support I've gotten through his music and the band's music, you know, I'm okay with this. Um, I am I am glad to hear that it's going to be a pretty static set list because I think that... Yeah, me too. I think that increases the chance of us getting 
either an HBO special or a, you know, a Blu-ray DVD release. Um, because that's, or, yes. Here's my theory, Jesse. Yes. Um, so recently they've been filming a lot of Broadway shows and putting them on um, PBS, like yes. as a great performances kind of thing. Ooh. I wonder if that's what we'll get. Well, you know, the Seeger Sessions was that way. There uh, we go. Yeah, that, ooh, I had not heard that. I know that um, my wife and they I are going to. did it with. Yeah. Oh, they did it with Falsettos, which is amazing. And it's going to be on PBS October 27th. Okay. Um, and they did it with this amazing play, Indecent. Um, both of which are like, they were really good, really hot tickets, both limited runs. Um, what and was then they the second on one? Yes, for anyone to see, it's called Indecent. Okay. Um, it's it's a Paula Vogel play about she's like a big deal playwriter. My best friend is obsessed with her. Um, but it's it's a play about the Holocaust primarily. It's okay. mostly about the Holocaust, but there's also lesbians, so okay. it's very sad. Okay. Well, I know that um, coming up on December seventh. They're showing the um, George Takai Allegiance in the theaters, you know. Oh, they are? Yes, so you can go see it um, because, and I've heard really, yeah, I've really heard good things about that show, that it's, you know, it's based on his life being in the internment camps, and um, and so I think that would be an amazing, so I would also be okay with that, that if they did, you know, a special phantom event where you could see because that's where i saw bruce springsteen and i it was through a phantom event right so oh me too yeah so that would be okay awesome so okay now that we've solved the springsteen on brits broadway discussion right we're like if they just would listen (laughs) to us everything would be fine um honestly yes (laughs) you recently um posted and this is why uh, one reason I just love talking to you, but the other reason you posted something about, um, you are openly lesbian, you're openly gay. And you talked about some of the Springsteen music and your perspective, his most, how did you put it? Uh, I called it Bruce Springsteen's gayest hit. Okay. Right. I thought that's what it was, but I didn't want to, you know, I didn't want to be, I also, (laughs) realize I'm a 58-year-old white guy that has grown up in Louisiana and Texas. I do not have a unique perspective on things, you know? Um, so No, that's not true. You have the perspective of a 58-year-old white guy who grew up in Louisiana and Texas. Yes. This is a unique perspective. Yes, but um, I, I also, um, I recently read an article like, um, we should not tell people how to protest. <laughs> White people should not oh, tell yeah. other people how to protest. Um, yeah. So talk to me about what made you want to come up with that list. And then let's talk about the songs on the list. Because um, I recognize that. Well, let me tell you a story first. Um and then I want to hear your story. But um, my friend Tom, now this is the second time I've talked about him. He was writing. Hey, Tom. Yeah, he was writing a story <laughs> where um, long distance. And the the premise is there is uh, a guy and a gal. They live in separate cities. Are they going to get together because it's a long distance relationship? And Okay. So he started talking about he wanted one of them to be sick and he wanted the other one to go visit them unexpectedly to surprise them. And so he said, okay, if I make it he's sick and she flies in, am I doing a cliche of the female being the caregiver and being the personal one? Oh, but that's interesting. I didn't think about that. But if I make it where she's sick and he's flying in, am I making him the white knight and the shining the star damsel and the damsel in distress? And he said, I, I really don't, I don't want to offend either one. But I, you know, depending on your perspective, both of them can be negative cliches. 
And I yeah. said, that's a great, you know, I, I think you're overthinking it a little bit, Tom, but I also think that it's not necessarily. And so he ended up being her being sick because she lived with her grandmother and her grandmother was there taking care of her. And so when he came in, it worked better from a story perspective, but oh, see, there you go. Um, but you know, he said, I'm, you know, and because he says, you know, I'm, I'm a white male. Um, you know, I, I, I only have my perspective. So mm -hmm. I think one of the interesting things is you see things differently than I do, not just because we're different people, but because of the way we grew up and the way, um, the way we see the world. So anyway, yeah. with that perspective, why don't you talk about why you decided to list Bruce's gayest songs and what you were trying to do? So first, I'm going to make a plug for my friend Charlotte's website. Um, we went to college together. She's absolutely hilarious. And she has a site called No New Music. And it's just reviews of music that's been out for 10 years or more. So everybody should go check that out. It's nonewmusic.club. So nonewmusic.club. Um, and I, I, you can ask me on Twitter and I'll okay. give you the link no because problem. I'm obsessed with the site. Um, but I, so one of my favorite movies is the celluloid closet. And the reason I start um, discussing with discussing that is because a lot of the celluloid closet is taking movies that aren't explicitly gay and discussing how the characters are queered or, you know, some type of, you know, deviant sexuality, even if it's not explicitly stated in the text. So a movie like Rebel Without a Cause, which everyone thinks is, you know, this big masculine movie about James Dean and his girl, like there's also this undercurrent where if you're the right audience and you're coming at it with the right eyes, you can watch this other like subtle story of Plato being obsessed with the James Dean character. And, you know, he's a little in love with him and, he gets that love back from James Dean a little bit. So you can watch a lot of different movies that are explicitly straight, but are actually more gay than a straight person might realize because they're not looking for the same clues and desperate for the same breadcrumbs that a gay audience is looking for and desperate for. So, and a lot of gay people I meet say the exact same thing. Like we all grew up watching these, you know, the same movies that all of our straight friends grew up watching, but like we were having completely different experiences because we were looking at different characters. We were relating to different characters and we were seeing the stories in a different way. So for, you know, a straight girl who wants to play baseball, like Mulan is a really different story than it was for me who like didn't really care about being in a man's world, but was like, yeah, yeah. I also feel isolated from my family and I don't know why. So that's kind of like the emotion I was coming at it from. I mean, it's specifically Bruce Springsteen because I love Bruce Springsteen. I listen to a lot of Bruce Springsteen. There's like a weirdly large contingent of lesbian fans of Bruce Springsteen. Like they make shirts. There's a lot of us. It's very odd. Um, but I, and the more I listened to Bruce Springsteen, the more I was like, this song is definitely him singing to a man. And, you know, I don't, I don't think that that's that much of a stretch because he sings in character all the time. Like in say, in making this list, I'm not saying anything about Springsteen as a person. I'm saying like, here are some songs where he is taking on this character of a man who is in love with another man, just like in working on the highway, he's taking on the character of someone who commits statutory rape. Yeah. And you know. I think that's a really good point. And I do, by the way, I, I, I also, Linda and I really liked that documentary. I thought it was interesting to see that perspective. Um, I, I love that. I'm obsessed with the guy who wrote the book. I got to look at his journals recently. It was oh, one of the most interesting days of my life. Yeah. I so can, cool. I can imagine. And so um, there, you don't, you know, sometimes it is a fresh perspective to watch it from that way. Um, because you'll go, no, they're just, 
really good friends and you know and, yeah exactly and, and, where did that come from um and i don't think like every fried green tomatoes they're like these ladies just good friends and i'm like that's not the point of the movie yes absolutely um so i think that's interesting and i do know that um you know one of the things that we talked about this when we talked about you know, uh, the streets of Philadelphia and how much that meant to you growing up. Yeah. Um, you know, that both Roger Ebert and Gene Siskel talked about that as a major rock star, he was singing from a perspective of a gay man. And they, they both mentioned when they were reviewing the movie. Yes. Um, and, and I do believe that, um, sometimes, (laughs) Linda's mom used to say that I became the way I am um, almost in spite, uh, in, in, um, in, in actually rebellion of my family because they're very conservative and very, huh. yeah. And, and she's like, I think sometimes Jesse just kind of just almost just out of rebellion, you know, kind of changed. And, you know, despite your, upbringing you can you can change your perspective and i do feel like bruce with uh being so active in the music world and and is listening reading his autobiography talked about how much he's self-educated and reading i can see him Mm -hmm. making that perspective and also i want to tell a story that you know i'm i'm not gonna be the guy you know sitting at Mary's front porch saying all the redemption I have is underneath this hood because I can't change oil in my car. But when I'm hearing (laughs) that song, I put myself in his place. And so I can see that perspective of you. And, and I love the, the phrase you said, I'm looking for crumbs. You know, I'm so desperate to see people like me. You know, I used to joke that, um, uh, the um, Jurassic Park. Oh yeah, the sh- the fat guy with glasses is the bad guy. Okay, hey, <laughs> yeah, we fat guys need you know sometimes the fat guys are, and that's why um, John Candy's uh, movie uh, where he he plays the cop. Um, and I'm drawing the blank. Marino Tool played his mom. You know, Marino Hare. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I'm like, oh look, it's it's a man of size being the romantic lead because he's always just the buddy or the comedy. Yeah. And so I, I understand a little bit of your perspective on that. So Oh, I think I think in terms of media, it's very, very similar. I think that, you know, there's only one body type in a lot of media. And so it's if you know, if overweight people or, you know, people of size or people who identify as fat, you know, like, yeah, it's, it's exactly the same. It's just that there's less subtext and there's more subtext with, you know, sexuality. So you're on the one hand, like you can read into a lot more on the other hand, it like really throws a lot of it into debate. Like someone on Twitter who I will not name when I posted the list was like, I think you're grasping at straws for a few of these. And I was like, no, sir. If I was grasping at straws, City of Night would be on the list because there is also a book from 1963 called City of Night that is super gay. But I'm not grasping at straws. These are well-researched. Yeah. That's why City of Night is not on the list. These, so I, the thing, that's like something I'm really used to is being like, oh, this historical figure is queer or, oh, this song is queer or, oh, this movie is. And people being like, mm, I don't think so. And it's like, there's no way to prove them wrong because you can't prove a negative, but it does get a little frustrating when people are like, I don't experience it that way. So it's not when it's like, maybe you don't experience it that way, but it, it still is. You know, <laughs> when I was a little bit older and I first heard the theory that Puff the Magnet Dragon was about marijuana use and oh yeah that you know I was crushed as a you know I felt like I'd lost my innocence you know and and now as an a you know as an old guy I'm like you know if some people think that I I don't care because you know the song is to me 
about, you know, imagination and putting away childish things as you grow up. You know, it, it, it's a early version of Toy Story, right? Where Andy loses his yeah. toys. But if someone wants to believe it's about, you know, drug use, I, that's whatever you want to work with you. So I hear yeah, you. Yeah, it's the same with Lucy in the Sky when people are like, it's about LSD. And I'm like, it's it's not. But okay, if, if that means so much to you, go ahead. Right. So, okay, Bella, um, do you have your list ready? I have my list ready. Awesome. So the first one is so obvious. It it probably wouldn't bear mention, but we just talked about how people will deliberately misread. So I feel the need to mention it, but Streets of Philadelphia, obviously incredibly gay. Um, Springsteen wrote it for the movie Philadelphia, which was one of the first mainstream movies to deal with the AIDS epidemic, um, and particularly from the perspective of a gay character. Um, And the song has a line that says, so receive me, brother, with your faithless kiss. Which, I mean, if a bunch of guys out there platonically, faithlessly kiss their friends, and I stand corrected, but that sounds that sounds like male on male love to me. So yeah, absolutely. I, I think that is um, first off a great song. Um, oh, it's amazing! You know, and in such an emotional the um, you know, won him a Grammy. <laughs> so, yeah, and uh, an Oscar. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They, that's right. Yeah. The Oscar. And so, yeah, great. Um, absolutely. Um, you're right. If there, that's, there's no debate about that makes the list of the gayest songs. I totally agree. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, it's also, it's a really, I think it's a really beautiful song about AIDS. And I, I really love the line. My clothes don't fit me no more, which is, such a specific reference to some of the side effects of end stage AIDS, which was wasting disease. Um, and I think that that's like a really, a really well done and specific take on the disease. And, and again, something that a straight audience may not pick up or someone that doesn't know about AIDS may not pick up. But like, for me, when I hear that, I'm like, Oh my God, like what a great little nugget for me to, you know, not enjoy. Cause, it's about AIDS, but you get the idea. No, but it is, um, I have had, um, not many, but a few friends that, um, I'm thinking specifically, um, a lady I worked with husband had, um, had AIDS and was, um, you know, and he died and you saw, you saw David, you know, it's not the way you want to lose weight. I mean, you know, but he was just withering away and it is and that whole, my clothes don't fit me now is just heartbreaking. It's yeah. It's a really, really painful line that I think was used to strong poetic effect in the song. Absolutely. All right. Hey, we're having fun now. What's next? Oh, yeah. Um, They are all like a lot of them are very sad, but that was kind of the nature of gay love before like 1998. So, yes. Um, My second one is Backstreet. Okay. And uh, that's primarily because of the gender neutral name. Um, And some people are like, oh, it's either about people are so funny. They say it's either about a romance with a woman named Terry or a friendship with a man named Terry. Which my thing is, if it's a romance with one, it's probably a romance with the other. So my thing is, it's a correct, like the correct interpretation is a romance with a man named Terry. You know, there, there's a lot about lies and desperate lovers and hiding in cars and trying to live up to something you're not. I mean, that's, that secret gay teenage love right there. Um, absolutely. Um, it is, you know, there is a lot, I mean, and this is certainly not breaking news, right? This is, um, this has yeah. often been talked about in, in why, uh, you know, the gay community, this is one of their favorite songs. Um, it is an absolutely beautiful song. Um, it, you know, it's, it could work. It doesn't matter the gender. It is the idea, uh, you know, from my perspective that a person 
you know, is having a relationship with another person and the problems that goes on there doesn't bother me if it's a male or male or male, female or female, female, you know, it, it, it is the perspective of this, this longing and this, this, the, the issues they're experiencing. So absolutely agree with that one. Yeah. Uh, my third one is this hard land. And I, I'm like, I'm kind of surprised that more people haven't like pegged this song as super gay because it has the line, just one kiss from you, my brother, and we'll ride until we fall. So either, I, I've puzzled on this a lot. He does mention a sister in the song. So either the sister is asking for a kiss, which is a little weird. I don't want to think about that. Or the man gay cowboy lover, which is what I think is happening is like, you know, using brother in the camaraderie sense. Um, but that's just, that's my interpretation. Um, but yeah, I, this hard land seems really gay to me and I'm really surprised that like this has not been discussed in many Springsteen circles. Well, yeah, because I, I pulled up the lyrics and it's, uh, the last verse is, well, Hey Frank, won't you pack your bags and meet me tonight down at Liberty Hall? Ah, uh, just one kiss from you, my brother, and we'll ride until we fall. We'll sleep out in the fields, we'll sleep by the rivers, and in the morning we'll make a plan. Well, if you can't make it, stay hard, stay hungry, stay alive if you can, and meet me in a dream of this hard land. Um, You certainly, the phrase hard land can be interpreted because it's set, you know, during the Western cowboy days, you could think that's a hard land. Or is it a hard land for someone who has uh, been born with this lifestyle? And, you know, in this world, is that why it's such a hard land? Um, Oh, I never thought about that interpretation, but I like it. Yeah, um, you know... um, there, I, I'm watching um, Outlander, um, and there is a um, a gay male character, and um, he's Lord Grey. He's he's. I, I found out from. I haven't read the book yet. Is book he evil? No, he is. In fact, oh, thank God. <laughs> he is very, very. No, there is an evil. You know, bisexual, and the main character is raped by this guy. But uh, no, Please. there is All right. there there is this sweet scene where um, Jamie is the hero, and he goes to his friend Lord Grey, who's a red coat, and he says, "Will you take care of my son?" And you don't need to know the whole backstory, but he says, "I actually if, have a friend who loves Outlander, so I'm I'm pretty caught up on the yeah. backstory." <laughs> and so he says, "You know, and if you you can." basically says, I'll sleep with you to say thank you. And, you know, and, oh, wow. okay. and, and the, sure. the Lord Gray's like, no. He's like, do you not want me anymore? And he's like, I'll probably want you till I die, but I'm not, that isn't why I'm going to take care of your son. You know, we, we have a better friendship than that. And it was really well done, very sweet. So um, I do think society's changing where, you know, the the homosexual character is not always the bad guy, just like the the fat guy isn't always the bad guy, right? So you know, we're making Hulu progress. You might even have fat gay characters, and that'll be the real day. Yeah. So, um, okay, I had not thought about this hard land, but now that you bring it up, I think this is definitely, and I, you know, it is, um, there is. I think this is absolutely not a stretch. I don't think you're, um, you know, grasping at straws at all. I think this is very Thank good. Thank you. Yeah. I think this one is, is clear. The the second, the, the following ones are slightly less clear, but um, I do have Bobby Jean. Yes. Not for the reason some people may think, not because Bruce is singing to a man, but rather because Bruce is singing to a lesbian. She likes men's clothes. She totally understands Bruce. She likes rock music. He doesn't even try to get her back when she leaves, probably because he's like, oh, I'm so happy you found love, probably in San Francisco, because it's 1980-something. Yeah. Yeah. So I I just think Bobby Jean is a lesbian. Also, her name is so close to Billie Jean. Like, come on. Come on. 
This is obvious. Um, I love this perspective. You know, I there's a lot of discussion about, um, you know, is this about little Steven and their friendship? Yeah. And, and Which it, it could be that too. Absolutely. And um, I think I've told this story before in the air, but um, Isaac Asimov, um, the writer from science fiction and really almost anything um, once was in a lecture hall and he was, ex- he, ex- someone asked him a question. He gave the answer and the reader disagreed with him and said, no, that's not what you meant. And, you know, and, and Asimov said, but I wrote it. And the person saying, well, just because you wrote it, what makes you think you know what it's about? And he, that's amazing. he said, you know what? I think you're right. You've won the argument. So I think, you know, I think that's the same thing for Bruce. Just because you thought you were doing this doesn't mean that is the story you shared or what, um, you know, you put it out there in the world and then people t- make it their own and they make it their own story. So, um, yeah. yeah. He I- was writing a clever metaphor about his lost best friend. I think it's a song about, uh, you know, a, an outcast boy and a lesbian girl who don't really fit in anywhere else. And it's one of those friendships in high school where you're like, I'm friends with these people because I'm not friends with anyone else and I need friends. And then you kind of see the wider world and you're like, oh, okay, we're not that close, me and my high school friends, but like they were there for me in this really pivotal point in my life. So, Bella, I, I don't think I'm breaking any confidences, um, but my wife has shared, she has two other um, friends that were high school, and one of the mm-hmm. things they all had in common is they all dated gay men. <laughs> Oh my God. <laughs> and, um, that happened. Yes. And ask my high school boyfriend. Yes. And, um, we were able to, um, Linda met, um, her boyfriend from high school and, uh, I met him and his partner and they were absolutely just wonderful people. And, and we, we, you know, it was this truly, um, it was great meeting someone that knew Linda back in high school and they were just such a loving couple and it was great, but, Aww. and he talked about, it was safe for both of us. We needed someone, we wanted a relationship, we wanted to date, but we needed it safe. I didn't want to date someone that would have pushed me, um, sexually, and you didn't want someone to push you sexually. We wanted, and we enjoyed each other's company, and we were safe for each other. And I thought that was a really beautiful thing to think about that. And so, um, and 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 so, I think when you think about, I'd love to see that movie. By the way, that um, you know the main character and Bobby Jean are, and she discovers who she is and what she is, and they they continue being friendship, but she goes on. We'll take San Francisco. I like that. Um, I'd love to see I feel like it's a movie. reverse will and grace. I feel like yeah. we're writing will and grace with a gender flip. Absolutely. I agree. I agree. Well, cool. But no, I mean, I did, I had the exact same thing with my high school boyfriend and like, unlike a lot of people who dated in high school, like, and, and meant it, me and my high school boyfriend are amazing friends. I love his new girlfriend. And we get to like, have this really wonderful friendship because, we were never going to get back together. So right. No one's threatened by my presence in his life. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's Bobby Jean. Um, I think the two girls, so first of all, I think Frankie fell in love is about a girl. I'm not really sure why I think that, but I think it's pretty clear that Frankie fell in love is about a girl. And I think that she is the person she falls in love with is the girl in pink Cadillac. So Pink Cadillac is this sexy femme girl and Frankie fell in love as the weird butch girl and they fall in love together. I love that. Just Uh, because in Pink Cadillac, it's a big thing where he's like, I I know the car is a metaphor for sex. I get it. But in the actual song, 
he's like, ooh, slide on over, baby. And she's like, eh. So my thing is, she's not interested in sex. She just has an awesome car. And she's in love with the girl from Frankie Fell in Love because only a lesbian goes by the nickname Frankie. Um, I, that's not entirely true. But. No, but I get that. I think that, see, once again, that's a perfect perspective of, um, you know, I would not have seen it that way, but I certainly can see that. Um, yeah, it's just another way to read into the song. Yeah. Um, um, and then my last one yes. is an honorable mention. Okay. Um, it's Rosalita. But just because of the line, closets are for hangers, winners use the door, which is a gay line, but the song is very straight. Yes, uh, but I do think I, I, I could see the perspective of, you know, you're listening to this and going, um, you know, I could be singing for my Rosalita, right? I, you know, yes, that and, too. and that I'm going, like, closets are for hangers, Ruth, you're right. Yes. And also, you know, um, you know, your daughter of fine romance, um, you could be, you know, it's the same thing. The mom and dad are thinking that the, the person singing is this, you know, rock and roll rebellion, and it's not going to be worthy of their daughter, but it could just as easy be Joan Jett singing it. And, you know, Ooh, I, see, now I'd watch that movie. <laughs> I bet you would. And, you know, where she's singing in that perspective, you know, um, I love when we do, um, I love when sometimes gender gets turned around. I think when a man sings, Will You Still Love Me Tomorrow? It's a very different song than when Carol King or a female sings it. Ooh, that's interesting. Because yeah, and and uh, Dave Mason does a version of it, and when he sings that, you know, because he's going, you know, he's doing this, uh, you know, is this more than a one night stand? Have I, you know, I've given my heart to you, and now then, is this? are you wanting to do this? So I think I love the Ooh. fact you also, um, world peace is going to break out from here on. We're eating takeout. She ain't going to be cooking for the likes of us. Somebody call mama and just tell her Fanky fell in love. You know, that could very much be a gender role of saying she's not going to be cooking for men. She is going to be, oh, she's yeah. pursuing her own, uh, you know, her own style and her own friendship and her own romance. I think that is great. Um, it's also very classic of like, we thought she'd be around forever because she never expressed interest in any boys. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and now here she is with this, you know, sexy girl with a cool car. Absolutely. Yeah, Do you think? I love that. Absolutely. Now, yes, I identify deeply with Frankie, not so much with a pink Cadillac girl, because okay. I would I would never buy a car like that. But okay. good for her. Now, did um, mostly you got positive feedback about your list, correct? Oh, yeah. Um, so I originally the list originally lived on Tumblr, which no, no one is allowed to know my Tumblr. Uh, that's not something the world needs. But okay. it originally lived on my Tumblr, which I received exclusively positive feedback. And a lot of people were like no, Rosalita's totally a lesbian. And I was like, cool, live your life. Yeah. Um, and then on Twitter, I got uh, pretty much amazing feedback, except for the one person who said I was grasping at straws, which I was like, I'm not going to compose a giant retort to this. I'm going to live my life, and I'm not going to let it bother me. But it's, I did exactly what I do when someone tells me Eleanor Roosevelt isn't bisexual, which is I'm like, you're wrong, and you need to know you're wrong, but you will never admit it, so we'll just leave it. Uh, yes, I, I get that. Um, it is, um, you know, and sometimes you have to accept the fact that um, people don't want their world rocked. You know, their yeah. perspective is just upsets them. You know, there is that great um, line in Big Bang Theory where you know, Penny says, or no, I think it was, it wasn't Penny, um, Amy, where she goes, you know, if, if the Indiana Jones hadn't done anything at all, um, 
everything would have worked out. And they're all like, what? You know, in the uh, very first Indiana Jones movie. And they're, they're all per- like when they start looking at it, like, no, 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 she's wrong. She's wrong. Um, <laughs> so I do think there is times where, you know, people go, um, no, 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 this is my perspective. This is what it's supposed to be. Um, and I think it's good to think of that. I think it's a great perspective and I do feel for, um, you know, people, whether they're young African Americans or gay or lesbians or short little fat kids, you know, looking for someone like them in a TV show or a movie or a song because we all want to be that, you know, to be representative and to see someone like yeah. that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's all anyone is looking for is just because to quote Harvey Fierstein, uh, who is in a celluloid closet, he's like, there are a lot of needs for art. And the greatest of those is the mirror. Like you need to see yourself reflected in art, like to make you to help you feel like you're not alone. And if you never see yourself if, or if the only things you see are negative, like that can kind of mess a kid up. Yeah, absolutely. And so I think that's, um, that's well said. I really appreciate that. Um, yeah. Bella, as always, someone this else is put blessed. it, um, oh, sorry. No, someone no. else put it, he felt he was robbed of the requisite number of heroes a kid needs when they're growing up because he was gay. And I was like, oh, that's, that's the way I'm going to put it from now on. Like, yeah, I didn't, I didn't get the same heroes everyone else did because every hero was like, and this was her husband. And I was like, oh, crap. Yeah. So. Yeah, um, you know, and I, there was a lot of feedback about the new Doctor Who being female, and there yes, was a little, it. yeah, and so, um, and and I think that's amazing that we are getting that perspective. Uh, I'm excited about the new stories. I'm excited about what we're going to see from that perspective, and. I do think that, you know, it's, it's good to see for, um, young females. I mean, I love that Wonder Woman was the number one movie. I I love that. I think that it was really well done. Um, and you know, we're three. So I'm excited about the new, uh, female, but a couple of people are like, well, now then a little boy doesn't have a hero. Well, you know what? There's a lot of people that are cheer there there are a lot of heroes for young men to look at and it's okay and the other thing is like i i survived fine i translated things and i i made them work for my own life and now you can do it and yeah. now you can gain that empathy and that practice for relating to something that isn't exactly like you it sucks when it's all the time but it's also a valuable skill yeah it is and and you can do that i i think that's wonderful all right, Bella. Yeah. Um, any other final right. thoughts you want to share? No other final thoughts. Just listen to your local gays. We have a lot of good opinions. Absolutely. Uh, if someone wants to reach out to you, how can they? You can find me on Twitter. I'm at Bella Pori. Uh, you can go to call them in, um, spelled like it sounds. Uh, you can read my blog. It's westwingbestwing.com. Uh, but Twitter, Twitter is the easiest way to get a hold of me. Yes. And um, how are you? Have uh, Rob and JB messed up anything lately? No, not recently. They've been they've been good. And I, I think that Rob is reconsidering his Backstreet's rating. Yay, so there we I'm go. I'm looking forward to their end of the year podcast because if he, he hinted at it on the last one, and I was like, ooh. Yes. And I fully blame JB and my old roommate for making me the type of person who keeps a list of all the movies I watch. But that's who I am now. Well, nothing wrong with that. Um, Yeah. Well, I am. uh, You can reach me on Twitter at Jesse Jackson DFW. Uh, The show is at Set Lusting Bruce. Um, If you want to join me and talk about your uh, Springsteen journey or a hot musical opinion, uh, we'd love that. Um, And you can just reach out to me uh, either Twitter or Set Lusting Bruce at gmail.com. Please go to iTunes, rate and review us because it is how people find us. Um, 
Bella? It takes you two seconds. I did it. You should all review it. Thank you. Um, so I, I just got to have a little faith that things are going to be okay. I think that's true. I, I, I'm, I, it is, it is at times hard to have faith, but, um, I keep believing and I, I am going to cheer in happiness if you get the lottery and if you end up, if your friend ends up <laughs> having you. you, I want you back on the show to talk about the, uh, um, you know, Broadway experience and share how it's going. Okay. Oh, definitely. I, I will be, I will be in touch with her. So hopefully that'll be something I get to do and I'll, I'll definitely keep you posted. All right. That sounds great. Uh, All right. You have a great fall. It was so good to talk to you, Jesse. It is always great to talk to you. Thank you listeners. Thank you, Bella. We'll talk to you soon. And there we go, All Bella. Right. We're done. Woo-hoo! That was fun. Thank you. That was super fun. You know, I always love. I know I rambled on a little, but I get no, very passionate. No, you didn't. But I always, <laughs> we always get to such serious talks when you're here. And it's a fun change I of know. pace. <laughs> I know. I would say I'm sorry, but I don't know how to stop. I don't want you to stop. I think that's great. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's wonderful. So, all right. Take care. Um, how is your... Um, you had said you were starting to kind of see someone. How did that go? Oh, yeah. No, she uh, she wasn't ready for a relationship. And as soon as I kind of made it official, she was she got really spooked. Yeah. Basically didn't text me for weeks mm. and then was like, I can't do this. And I was like, OK, that's fine. Like, yeah, that's whatever. That's... So I'm, I'm back on the market. All right. Well, I, I'm sure you were going to do great and someone's out there for you. Hey, you know, yeah, had a date couple couple weeks couple days ago went okay very nice all right well you know i love you take care of yourself (laughs) i know jesse i love you too talk to you soon bye-bye talk to you soon bye Wednesday after Labor Day was my final chemo. And oh, then, good. Um, so I go, and I went last Wednesday for some tests, and I go this Wednesday to talk to my oncologist about what's next. And so we're hoping that she's going to say, you look great and everything's fine. And Yay! Yeah, yeah that's, that's the hope. I, I still... That's the hope. Yeah, I still feel a little bit of like my my hands and feet tingle all the time um they say oh it's that happened of, to my aunt yeah and then yeah she couldn't walk for a while it, it gets bad yeah. what is it called neuropathy yes and then um, yeah and i'm past the i can drink cold drinks but oh thank god yeah but if <laughs> not you, a moment too soon right but if you like when I reach to get ice, it hurts a little bit, the cold. And I was talking to someone else that's been off chemo for years, and she said, you know, it never went away for me. I mean, she goes, I, I'm, still, I'm still sensitive to cold, um, which is weird. Oh, I had no idea. Yeah, I didn't either. So, but overall, I'm in good shape, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm excited. And so, good. I'm glad. Goes, yeah. Um, so, and I will say, so yeah. I was, I was telling my, you know, I, you, as well as a, another, a younger friend of mine, um, were both diagnosed with colon cancer. And, you know, I was, I was talking to my dad about it yeah. and it reminded him, he was like, Oh, I haven't had a colonoscopy in a while. 
and he had one and, and they found, you know, some precancerous stuff. And so thank you for, you know, being oh. open about it because you inspired other people to get colonoscopies that had they not gotten, especially in the case of my father, had they not gotten, it would have been way worse. That is wonderful. You know, Bella, what I, I find funny and, and not ha-ha funny, but really sure. funny is that, you know, everyone's like, oh, you're handling this so well. And you're so brave and such a positive spirit. And I'm like, I, I'm just handling it the way I handle it. I don't know any other way, <laughs> but that's very nice of you to say. And that is a absolutely wonderful story about your father. Um, that that made my night. That is just, well, I'm I'm very glad. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's that's the one good side of social media and podcasting is. I feel like especially with men, people are being way more open about their health issues, which is leading a lot more men to take their health seriously. And hopefully that will see a sea change in, you know, mortality for men. Yeah, that's great. All right. So I'm probably probably going to add this as a bonus at the end of the, the, uh, oh, yeah, that's fine. Absolutely. All right. You ready to talk? I'm ready to talk. You're always ready to talk. You're amazing. (laughs) I'm constantly talking. So by the way, um, just on a side note, and, and I, I mean this, I, I guess I was, I don't mean this as a way to brag about myself, but I was just really surprised. You know, I always joke about, I wish I had a daughter so that she could date you because I just love you. And, and my friends like, did you really just say that? I'm like, yeah, I'm, I mean, I, I, I'm. I'm halfway joking, but the other half of it is not. I said, I just, I just think Bella is this wonderful person and I would love for her to be, you know, quote unquote, officially in my family, though I feel like we have a connection anyway through the podcast and such. He's like, Oh, definitely. That's, he says, I, but it also, it is a very progressive thing that to say that a lot of people wouldn't say, (laughs) you know, that's what he said. He said, I've always liked you, but I can't believe he says that's wonderful. You're that open. I'm like, yeah, you know, I don't care. I, I think care. it's something to brag about. Oh, I really do. Most, I mean, it's 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 taking tolerance a step further, which we gay people love to see. Oh well, good. All right, so um, here we go. Three, two, one. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points. 